Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Happy afternoon here. It's hump day. We've got all your content in one place. Uh, recently, within the hour, we've got the breaking news update that Joey's season of The Bachelor, which premieres January 22nd, that's on a Monday, he's got all of the ladies of his season released. We made a breaking news video on YouTube if you want to see what they look like. We covered their fashion choices. I got to tell you, a fantastic set of photography that was done. Beautiful backdrops, high quality 4K images. The show has finally moved into the new century with photography and has very beautiful. Uh, I mean, because, you know, it used to be, it would be like, um, you know, like I, I've seen corporate headshots that have more style and class than the Bachelor cast photos. But hey, they, they've got it going on, folks. Maybe they hired Susie Evans to take their photos. Who knows? Either way, good work over there. I'm going to be covering again tomorrow all of the professions, what they like to do, fun facts. We'll continue to talk about all of Joey's Women, which premieres Monday, January 22nd, 2024. How about that? Here's what Reality Steve had to say about that. And then I've got a lot of dating and relationship content for you. A failed engagement. We're also going to be hearing uh, what uh, uh, Cameron Diaz has to say about married couples having separate bedrooms. Uh, Greta Gerwig is finally getting married and so much more. My uh, worst Christmas movie I've seen all year. We'll be talking about that. Uh, But first, let's hear what Reality Steve had to say about the new women. This is on his podcast, Daily Roundup. Uh, Today, December 20th, or was this yesterday? Either way, have a listen. That filming ended for Joey's season right around a month ago, and none of Joey's women have been able to go public because they're told by production when they can. Um, It is very weird that they have taken this long and because usually it's right after all the filming is done, then all the women can go public. And then normally what happens is, you know, last year they became official. You know, obviously we know the 32 or the was it 30 women or 32 women on Joey's season. I think it's 30. Yeah, 32 because 10 went home the first night. We know the 32 women because they, they release them on the Facebook page, but then they take that down right when filming begins. That's only up for like three days. Yeah, so how it works is The Bachelor doesn't want to give away any spoilers by letting the women go public on their Instagrams as they're being cut because then it's obvious for the internet to say, oh, Jill was cut today because she's now liking people's photos. So they've been private. But I got to tell you, it's a good uh, binder full of women that Joey's got for this upcoming season. I'm very much looking forward to it after watching the trailer. And you guys know we're going to have all of that content. I don't know about you, but one of the ways I love watching The Bachelor is with Microdose Gummies, who happen to be our sponsor of Bachelor at Rush Hour. You probably heard the word microdosing. If not, just know that all sorts of people are microdosing. Even your grandma's microdosing. Everyone's doing it. Adults, that is. And let's talk about it. You know the just right feeling when your body and mind are really at peace? Like after a workout or a nice long shower? When you're relaxed, focused, and a little energized, being in the zone, they call it? Well, microdosing can help you get into that zone easier and stay there longer. Uh, You know, I could read all the copy, but I'll tell you this. What I love most about microdosing gummies is they're only three milligrams per serving. Sometimes 
I'm a lightweight. Five milligrams can kind of, uh, you know, make me a little tired or whatever. Three milligram servings are perfect, and then you can uh, upgrade them as you see fit, depending on how your night's going. Uh, but they can relieve anxiety. I, I use them for my chronic neck problem I have from my accident. Such, so many versatile, oh, and focus, creativity, you know, try, you know, I mean, honestly, have a microdose edible and go work on the, uh, the treadmill for a little bit. You'll love it. It makes my podcast more interesting, that's for sure. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code Rush Hour to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com, code Rush Hour, microdose.com, code Rush Hour for 30% off. Okay, let's go to our next story. Oh, speaking of, you know, no amount of microdose gummies would make this movie good. Watched it last night. It was called The Christmas Classic. A 33% score from audiences. My guess is that's including the positive scores from the cast member's family because that's the only people that might have enjoyed this. It just, uh, the cinematography was bad. It looked like a student film in some aspects, which was surprising because it has pretty big names. It has, uh, first of all, it has Malin Ackerman. Did I pronounce that right? She was a star of the show Billions. And it's got Amy Smart, who was, you know, in in Varsity Blues, Amy Smart was in uh, Road Trip, classic, iconic movies of the late 90s, early 2000s. Amy Smart also starred in the first TV show, probably the only TV show that I ever had a part in. Um, I played a, it was a pilot uh, called Sea um, Kate Run, and Amy Smart was the lead. She played some detective or something. It didn't get picked up, but it was for ABC. Either way, these are, these are good actors. And the movie just stunk. And how do I know it stunk? The last half an hour I was on TikTok. I was like, I can't. I can't do it anymore. If you want content that doesn't stink, I've got a very fun stand-up show December 28th in Huntington Beach, California at the Rec Room. That's a 7 p.m. show. Link uh, below if you want to buy tickets to that show. Uh, again, if you're in Orange County, California at the Rec Room in Huntington Beach, December 28th. Hey, Greta Gerwig marries Noah Baumbach. After 12 years of dating, Greta Gerwig has sealed the deal with her very own Ken, marrying Noah after 12 years. After exchanging vows at New York City City Hall Tuesday, the director celebrated at Billy Joel's Madison Square Garden concert. Greta was still wearing her bridal white and Noah his dashing navy blue suit as they cheered at the concert. Hey, you know, listen, I know, I know. Men out there, no one wants to settle down. He waited till she had a billion dollar Barbie movie before he decided to commit. Or if you want to look at the feminist take here, maybe Greta didn't want to have him legally attached to all of the money she's making on Barbie. She's like, all right, now that the billion dollar movie's over, I'll sign your stupid paperwork. Let's get married. Either way, as far as like common law marriage goes, I don't know if that exists in New York, but they've been dating since 2011. I mean, gosh, get on your knee already and propose. They are parents to son Harold, four, and another baby boy who they welcomed earlier this year. So happy to hear about them. And in, in I've actually got some marriage advice for you guys. Whenever I find some good content, I like to bring it your way, both informative, educational, and sometimes entertaining. And we'll have that marital advice for you for free of charge right after this. Now, I'm no expert in marriage. I have been married for a year, but that's in Los Angeles, which counts for about 10 years. Uh, you got to weigh, you got to weigh the, uh, the odds there in the world of LA. Uh, but we've got, you know, whenever there's a tick, tip or a trick, we like to share it. Here's some advice, I guess, from John Gottman. 
about if your spouse tries to bring up a conversation. Because what we have to remember is, you know, so often we teach, we treat our spouse as a roommate and they're not, you know, they're, they're a lover. <laughs> they are a roommate. That's part of it sometimes, but also a lover. And um, whenever we feel dismissed by our partner, that can be very triggering uh, as far as rejection goes. Here, have a listen. Spouse tries to bring up conversation, not even necessarily something positive, but just something like, oh, Barbara finally made it back to work today after she's been sick for a while. It can be very hurtful if you don't respond. That's what Gottman calls a bid. It's a bid for interaction. And if the other person doesn't respond back, it's like you threw the ball to them and they just dropped it. Bids can be nonverbal, like smiles or cuddly affection. Bids, like I said, don't have to be positive, but if they are positive, it's especially painful to have that bid dropped. I spent all day in the garden and I got all the pumpkins planted cool. and you don't respond. <laughs> that's really painful. And if you feel like a deer in headlights, like how am I supposed to respond? Make eye contact, smile, just say one word or make a noise. Hmm. That's it. Extra credit. Ask a question. Oh man, did Barbara have COVID? This is not about the content <laughs> of what the person is saying. This is about connection. Oh, love it. Great advice, right? You know, I feel that way sometimes. I'll come home and try to talk about a stand-up bit. Hey, I tried this new bit. And if I kind of feel like my wife's not listening, I'll be like, why are you rejecting me? You know, it's kind of, uh, hey, we all kind of fall into these primal, uh, you know, situations where we just want to feel noticed and respected. I notice you, my great power uh, Bachelor Rush Hour audience. I respect you. Now, if you want to respect me back, Feel free to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate that. All right. Other ways to respect your partner uh, may be uh, not pushing them off a cliff. How about this story? Fatal marriage proposal. Man arrested after girlfriend falls from a cliff, allegedly rejecting him. A man in Turkey is in jail, accused of throwing his girlfriend to her death off a clifftop where he had just proposed. And cops think she said no. She said no. Before the fatal tumble, uh, he was arrested in the death of his girlfriend, who reportedly fell a hundred feet to her death in the Turkish city of Kanakal. Kanakal. His arrest comes after five months. He, his arrest comes about five months after her fatal fall. He originally, told police his girlfriend accepted his proposal. He left her at the edge of the cliff to grab food and drinks from his car, and then heard her scream. He said he returned to find she had fallen over the edge. However, cops say their investigation now leads them to believe he reject, she rejected the proposal and a struggle ensued at the scenic picnic spot, a struggle that ended with her going over the cliff to her death. Now, look, I'm not siding with him here, but how the hell would they know? How would, how, I mean, I guess that maybe there's skid marks in the cliff. I'm not really sure. Police say that they uh, had the engagement ring in a, that he had the engagement ring in a box in his pocket. And they also found a broken speaker and shattered glasses where the July 6th proposal went down. What's more, cops say his family told them she had been planning to break up with him before the proposal. Oh, interesting. So the more you find out, she was already planning to break up with him. He proposes, and oh, he shouldn't have done it on the cliff's edge. This is a tragedy, folks. The woman's family told police she would not willingly stand at the edge of a cliff because she suffers from panic attacks. He remains in jail awaiting trial. But wow, if Dateline had a Turkish bureau, they'd be all over this. How, that's a crazy, sad story. Well, good on the police for... I mean, what What if, though? I mean, what if she... What, what if she accepted his proposal and then fell, you know? That, that, that doesn't seem like that's the case, but you'd hate to be in jail over such a tragedy. All right, in other tragic news, Mayim Bialik... Uh, apparently lost her job at Jeopardy because of her job striking. Strikes showed Sony 
and Jeopardy that they are fine with one host. Mayim Bialik stepping away from Jeopardy in solidarity with striking writers showed Sony executives they didn't need to host for the quiz show, and that's why they moved on, TMZ has learned. Sony Studios sources tell TMZ bosses at Sony weren't mad when Mayim refused to work during this year's strike, but her absence opened execs' eyes about their dual host system. Mayim and Ken Jennings shared the gig. Our sources say Mayim stepping away gave Ken an opportunity, and he took it and ran with it, improving his hosting skills while she was away. Oh, that sucks. Sucks for her. Sony worked incredibly hard juggling schedules to accommodate Mayim during her time on the show, and she didn't always agree with production decisions, including the hiring executive producer Michael Davies and other staff changes. Either way, I mean, it's a bad look for the show to be getting rid of Mayim when she was only guilty of sticking up for her fellow writers there. So not good news over there. All right, we got Cameron Diaz uh, talking about married couples needing two bedrooms. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Have a listen. By the way, we should normalize. We should normalize like separate bedrooms. Thank you. Do you thank know you. Yeah. Thank you. Quote about it. If you're you're true, Wait. you're like I would just meet. And that's the to By me. The like I would literally like I have my house. You have yours. We have the family house in the middle. I will go and sleep in my my room. You go sleep in your room. I'm fine. I, can I tell you something? It like has we, been, and we have the bedroom in the middle that we can convene yeah, in yeah, for, you know, yeah, this is our relationship. bad headline. You should not. <laughs> I've already said it. No. She's already I've already said it. it. No, no, I should tell you something up before. But by the way, I don't feel wrong. that way now because my husband is so wonderful. I have said that before I got married. Oh, no. All right. So here's my thoughts. First of all, I have no problem sharing my bed with my wife. Uh, she has a lot of pillows. I've gotten her one of those. Um, uh, th- shout out to Leah, by the way. She recommended one of those body pillows for pregnancy. It's essentially like eight feet long and it's kind of it's like got jersey material. It's very cozy, but it's so you can have the pillow between your legs and it like wraps around your head like a candy cane. I don't know, folks. It doesn't even feel like she's in the same room as me when she's snuggled into this thing. I just see like random limbs poking out. But I, I got to tell you, I don't know if this is going to make you laugh or if this is sad, but I have an addiction, folks, I want to share with you. I'm addicted to watching shitty gold TV shows before I go to bed. Now you might say, Dave, what's a gold TV show? Well, Yukon Gold. I've watched Deep Water Gold, where they search for gold in the ocean. I'm watching a show called Civil War Gold, where they look for the Confederates' gold stash at the bottom of the Michigan River. How did the Confederates get gold in the Michigan River or the Michigan Lake? Who the hell knows? I've moved on to Aztec Gold. I'm literally the gold watcher, like it's Bubba Gump shrimp. Any type of gold, if it's missing, I will watch other men try to find it. Do I pan for gold myself? No, I lay in bed and watch people search for gold. There's something about gold that I love to see it being found. I've watched a show about finding gold in the desert uh, in Australia where they just look for like gold rocks that just sit on the floor. I mean, all types of gold are welcome on my shows. And now we've actually got a uh, very interesting gold find happening, a shipwreck off the coast of Colombia may hold $20 billion worth of treasure. That's a billion dollars of booty hanging out just on the ocean floor in Cartagena. Now, let me tell you this. If you haven't been to Colombia, the country, you got to go. 
It's a fantastic company, uh, country. Between Medellin, the capital of Bogota, which is very high up, like 8,000 feet off the ground, very high up, and the coastal city of Cartagena, it is a beautiful country worth visiting. It's very safe, uh, probably, probably a lot safer than some cities in our country. I know when I went to visit, my mom was like, oh, you can't go there. It's so dangerous. I was like, Ma, shut up. Just You know you know what's dangerous? Living in our country without health care. That's what's dangerous. Uh, anyway, uh, the country's president is eager to recover the ship and its booty, bootylicious, and promises to build a museum for it in Cartagena. Buried treasure may feel like the stuff of storybooks, but the president of Colombia is on a mission to recover a real-life shipwreck off the country's northern coastline that sunk more than 300 years ago. He hopes that historians are right about a cargo of treasures worth up to $20 billion that may have gone down with ship. The San Jose was a majestic Spanish galleon that in 1708 was hauling some substantial booty. By the way, there's still a lot of booty in Colombia, I'll tell you that much, including tons of gold, silver, and emeralds over from Panama. It had nearly arrived at its destination when it was sunk by the British Navy in an ambush near the Colombian port of Cartagena, a casualty of the War of Spanish Success. Now, Colombia's president, Gustavo Petro, is in a rush to retrieve these riches before his current term ends in 2026. So very fascinating stuff. Footage of the wreck released last year shows that the ship's hull is still intact. The surrounding seafloor is scattered with gold ingots, coins, pottery, Spanish cannons dating from from 1655 and a Chinese dinner service. But could an even bigger trove be lurking in the ocean depths? I'll tell you what, I'm hooked. I am hooked on gold shows, and I will be watching the documentary whenever it is made. All right, we'll be back with more right after this. You know, it was brought to my attention that I never covered the Christmas movie Candy Cane Lane starring Eddie Murphy. I'll tell you what, it's got a terrible audience score of 46%, a tomato meter of 45%, and I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. It had mystical elements, really funny villains, really funny moments as Eddie Murphy played sort of a straight man in a decorating competition in his neighborhood. It brought in a lot of family elements that people would like. Definitely a holiday comedy movie I would recommend. It's on Prime Video. Um, The production quality was great. Eddie Murphy stars in the holiday comedy adventure about a man on a mission to win his neighborhood's annual Christmas home decoration contest. After Chris, Eddie Murphy, inadvertently makes a deal with a mischievous elf named Pepper Jillian Bell to better his chances of winning, she casts a magic spell that brings the 12 days of Christmas to life and wreaks havoc on the whole town. It's kind of got elements of Jumanji in a way. Um, If you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Very funny. Definitely don't take the 44% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, seriously. I think it's a movie the whole family can watch. I highly recommend, if you haven't already, watching Candy Cane Lane starring Eddie Murphy on Amazon Prime. Again, not a sponsor, just giving credit where it is due. And let's do our final story today. Let's keep it Christmas themed. And by the way, I do want to say thank you to all of the support I got after sharing yesterday's news about, um, you know, another kind of smear campaign about me by this Jane Doe figure. I do want to just thank you guys again. Someone wrote an article. I read it today on the YouTube video, uh, a 42 minute YouTube video of someone responding to all of her claims from the, uh, from the, you know, a different perspective. And I, I truly appreciate that people People are now publicly supporting this cause as much as they have. If you want to support, you can go to patreon.com slash Dave Neal and become a member of our private community. 
And Home Alone, uh, you know, you know, you know, you had a good movie when Home Alone is still in the news. The McAllister family was top one percent wealth, so say economists. Yeah, you remember watching this movie? There's literally like a thousand rooms in this house. It's gigantic. They're taking private vans to the airport. The parents are all flying first class. Wow, the '90s was lit. Macaulay Culkin's family in Home Alone was certainly presented as wealthy in the flick, but as it turns out, they were actually in the top 1% according to real-world economics. The New York Times asked a question that's been on movie lovers' minds for years now. Just how rich were the McAllisters? They ended up consulting experts at the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, plus diving into a ton of other research to get somewhat of a clear answer. And you know what's so funny? Uh, um, the lady who uh, played uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin's mom in that Catherine O'Hara, she was supposed to be 36 in that movie. And it's so funny because, you know, I'm 38, my wife's 36. And you think of like having it all together at that age. She had kids and a full, beautiful mansion. And, you know, maybe you're in that same situation. And hey, who knows? Maybe the suburbs of Chicago had much affordability in the 90s. But in today's world, you don't see those numbers like that. A nice 4,500 square foot home. Uh, you know, with a family that has tarantulas and, you know, uh, paint cans everywhere and a very angry furnace. All right. For starters, the outlet went to real estate sites like Realtor.com to gauge where exactly they lived in Chi-Town and about how much their mansion might have cost back in the late 18, 1980s, early 1990s, the period in which the film is depicted. Uh, it came out in 1990. Per the Times, the house that was used as the famous exterior for Home Alone actually belongs to a super ritzy suburb in Chicago called Winnetka, one of the most expensive neighborhoods in America. Based on medium incomes for folks who lived there back in the day, The Economist uh, New York Times consulted Peg the McAllisters as a likely $305,000 per year household. Mind you, they landed on that amount for the time period. So adjusted for inflation, that comes out to about $665,000 per year in 2022. In other words, they're pretty rich now, in terms of how McCa uh, Kevin McAllister and co. made the type of money and what his parents might have done for work, the Times uses context clues in the movie to speculate that the mom was a successful fashion designer and that Pops was a general businessman. It's a pretty fascinating deep dive into the beloved classic, and if they were, in fact, as bawling as the Times suggests, it makes sense why the wet bandits targeted their home. Merry Christmas, you filthy broke animals. And that was a fun article shared by T. TMZ. Although I guess the Times article was from last year because they said 2022. Either way, not to stress people out, but isn't it crazy when you think about the home prices? You're like, oh my gosh, what you could have afforded in the 90s. And you know what I hear from people going, yeah, well, interest rates were 12% when I bought a home. It's like, Cheryl, you bought a home in 1953. You spent $6 in a shekel of potatoes and now the home's worth $3.2 trillion. I need to find a gosh darn Colombian uh, booty vessel just to make enough money for a down payment. You know what I mean? All right. Well, I think I've digressed enough. Again, thanks a lot for all the support. You guys have no idea how much it means to me to have you all by my side and I won't forget it. I hope you don't as well. We'll be back tomorrow morning, bright and early as we inch our way closer to the end of 2023 with another episode of Bachelor Rush Hour. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, don't. Join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's Community. Got cash? 
Become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush. The blood is on your hands, Dave Neal.